a reading from the first scroll of Moses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word. And the earth was void and without form. And the word was with God. And the darkness covered the face of the deep. And the word was God. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. How many of you have watched that scene before? Could I get a hand? Yeah, a lot of you in here. That's from a show called The Chosen, the Chosen which depicts a lot of the life and ministry of Jesus. And I, mean, I saw that scene and I just thought, wow, it captures so well this whole series that we've been in. So if you're new, that's basically the series we've been in. We've entitled it, The Word Became Flesh, from John chapter one. And what that clip did, it just wove together uh, this Genesis chapter one and this John chapter one reading, that was John in the background. Like Caleb said, I think we could probably just hear that and just go home, right? But we're not, <laughs> we're gonna still preach a sermon. Uh, but, I, but I love that because it just shows that that word became flesh. And, and what you need to know about the gospels, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they all talk about the glorious arrival of Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is about, the glorious arrival of Jesus Christ. And John does that too, but what he does is a little bit unique. He takes us not just to the glorious arrival of Jesus Christ, he takes us to the glorious beginning of Jesus Christ that was at the very beginning of all things. Again, if you're new to Christianity, Jesus wasn't just born as a baby, he was there at the very beginning. When God the Father spoke all of creation into being, Jesus Christ was there. And what we just caught in that video and what John captures for us so well is that there's, there's so many implications of that when we get that at Christmas time. One of them is this Christian theological word known as the incarnation, that God, almighty God, creator and sustainer of all of the universe, he condescends and he puts on flesh and he enters into human history and he walks among us. It's amazing. And we've been talking about the implications of that for our lives. And today we're gonna to do that again. We're gonna talk about this, this big implication of the glory of grace and truth. So if you're taking notes in your bulletin, the glory of grace and truth. And we're gonna see that in John chapter one, verses 14 through 18. Would love for you to grab a Bible, get that in front of you. If you don't have one, there's one in the row in front of you. John 1, 14 through 18. And what I wanna do today is just this. I wanna dig into those 
profound themes, implications of the incarnation. Glory, grace, and truth. So that's where we're headed. So let's read it together and then we'll break it down. John 1, 14 through 18, it says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John, that's John the Baptist, bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So that's our our first point is the glory of grace and truth. We're gonna highlight glory here. And what you see as we read this passage is this big contrast from John, the gospel writer. You see verse 14 and verse 18. Look at those verses with me. Verse 14, you see, we have now seen his glory. That's through Jesus and the incarnation. But verse 18, up until this point, no one has seen God. So John's saying, here's what happens at Christmas. Here's what happens with the baby being born in a manger. You and I have now seen the glory of God. Before now, no one has seen it. But through Jesus Christ, we have now seen, it's been made visible, made manifest, the glory of God, the one who created everything, the one who created wood that the manger is made out of. That God steps into human history as a baby and lays in that wood. I mean, some of you who think, well, I've heard the Christmas story so many times, it's just kind of boring. You need to wake up. Like, this is the incarnation. This is the beauty. Like, in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, in the birth of Jesus Christ, at Christmas time, we're seeing something that no one has ever seen before. It's the glory of God made manifest as God becomes flesh and dwells among us. Now, to really get the gravity and the weight of this, we have to understand God's glory. We have to go back to the Old Testament. See, in the the Old Testament, when God would show up and reveal himself, reveal his, his glory to people, like when God showed up, people fell down. Right? They, they hid their faces because they couldn't see the glory of God. It was too much. You see that in several places across the Old Testament. I'm just going to give you one that's very vivid. Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, you have Moses and the Israelites. Moses, who's been walking with God, with the people of God. God has rescued the Israelites out of slavery. He's given them the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and all the other commandments. And they know God, but they haven't seen God fully. And so Moses is yearning for that. And so in Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, he says it this way, please, God, show me your glory. I want to see you fully. And this is God's response. Listen to what he says in verse 20. He says, Moses, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. Listen to how specific, listen to how delicate this is for Moses to even see a part of God. While my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. 
and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Why so delicate, right? Why is, is God big-timing Moses? This is like a Brad Pitt situation. Right? I don't know if you heard like Brad Pitt. I've heard like some of the actors that have worked with Brad Pitt, like he won't allow you to look him in the eye. Because I think if you did, you'd fall over, right? Brad Pitt. Is, is, that, is that what's happening right now? Is God big timing most? Like God, he wants, to, he wants to see your glory. He wants to see you, just show him your glory. And you start to realize from God himself, he can't. Well, why can't he? It's because of what glory means. You see, glory is this word in the, in the Hebrew, it's this word kavod. In the New Testament, in the Greek, it's this word doxa. And it literally means like brilliance, weightiness, heaviness. It's not describing one attribute of God. It's describing the very essence of God. That, that God's power, his beauty, his love in his very essence is unmatched unrivaled. That's why Isaiah 42 says God won't give his glory to another. Like no one else has in their very essence, the power God has, the love God has, the the grace God has, the beauty God has, and he has it perfectly. And not perfectly like he just doesn't do anything wrong. Like everything he does right, he does perfectly right. That's God's glory. And it's intrinsic, it's infinite in his very worth and his essence and his nature. And I don't know if I even need to tell you this, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. You and I are not like that. Do I need to preach that to you today? I think, I mean, if you woke up this morning and stumbled out of bed and just like, you, you know we're not like that. That God is other from us. And so when you have the glory of God that I just described, and you have us and our very essence tainted by sin and our selfishness and chaos, those two can't be in the same presence with one another. God says, hey, you'll die. You can't handle this perfection, this weightiness, this brilliance, this glory. Now, here's what's so amazing. Here's what's mind-boggling about the incarnation, about Christmas, about John chapter one, is what John just said. Hey, that's the way it has been. No one has, no sinful person like you or me, undeserving, tainted with all of our selfishness, no one has ever seen the glory of God until now. The word God became flesh and he's dwelt among us and we've seen his glory, glory of the son from the father, full of grace and truth. You and I, these people in the gospel accounts, they are seeing something. Do you get this church? That no one has ever seen before. The glory of God made manifest through Jesus Christ. It's it's mind boggling. Like John is in awe of this as he writes this. We should be in awe as we hear it. And here's what I know. I mean, I think, I think some of us kind of are, right? And some of us, like, if we're, if, like, the, we're looking at lights, you know, and, and Oh Holy Night comes on, and, like, uh, you have a cup of hot cocoa. My kids tell me the Swiss Miss kind is the best. So if you have, like, good hot cocoa, you're looking at lights, Oh Holy Night comes on, and it's, it's like the version that you like. 
And if all of that happens simultaneously, some of you are like, glory, <laughs> you know. But man, a lot of times throughout the Christmas season, we just kind of walk in church, walk in life, and, and we, don't, we don't really get that. We're not really in awe. And I think it's because as I look at our culture, we are living in a culture that's chasing after glory. But the problem is it's artificial glory. It's that kind of glory that, like, the reason why Facebook and Instagram were invented, that kind of glory, like comparison glory, like, like that desire for, like, a nicer car, that desire for a bigger house, a, a better job, better clothes, and not just to get those things, but to make sure other people see you in those things on social media. Do you, do you know why we do that? Do you know why we, we can't put our phone down? Because we're, we're chasing glory, just in all the wrong places. We're chasing significance and importance, and we want something to matter, except we're looking, it and looking for it in all the wrong places, while we have it in the right place. That true glory, unmatched, unrivaled beauty, power, and love has been made manifest in Jesus Christ, and he's right before us. He's right before you and I this morning. And some of us, we're gonna go through another Christmas season and we're gonna miss it for some artificial glory. And we're gonna come out of Christmas and and we have the word for it and have Christmas blues because we were looking for a significance and an importance in all the wrong places and we missed the very glory of God. That scripture says, in you, Christ in you, his glory in you is your only hope of glory. So everything you're chasing, all those other, the nice clothes and everybody to see you in them, the, 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 the promotion at the end of the year or, or your kid's honor roll, come on. Like my, my kid made it to the spelling bee. I think I mentioned that before, did I? She got to like the fourth round against fourth graders, man, this week. I was just like, I wanted that glory, Right? And the reality is there's real glory before all of us in Jesus Christ, in the incarnation, in Christmas. And my question for us is, are we going to miss it? Or are we going to receive it and grab hold of it in Jesus' name? That's what I want for you this Christmas. That's what we see, the glory of, of grace and, and truth. It's, it's glorious, but it's the glory of grace and truth. And that's what I want to focus on now. How does this glory show up? John says it several times. Look at verse 14. He says, we have seen this glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Verse 14, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. How does glory show up? John says it comes full of grace and truth truth. Now, you need to see it there. It's full of grace and full of truth. This isn't creamer. It's not half and half. It's not 50-50, right? It's full of grace. How's this glory show up? Full of grace and full of truth. That's who Jesus is. That's how this glory is made manifest. It's, It's full of grace and full of truth. Now, he is full of truth. Jesus lives and dies perfectly without sin. Hebrews 1.3 says it this way, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. 
all that unmatched, unrivaled beauty, power, and love that, that's demonstrated perfectly in his very essence, Jesus has all of that. He's full of truth. He, he lives and dies perfectly. He speaks powerfully. Like, unlike our culture would like you to believe, Jesus wasn't just a nice guy, right? You, you don't crucify on a cross nice guys, right? But that's what they did to Jesus. Why? Because he wasn't just a nice guy. He spoke truth. He, he demonstrated truth and holiness everywhere he went. Jesus talked about hell. That's the guy you crucify, a guy who's full of truth. Jesus called out sin. Like in front of other people, it was kind of offensive, kind of rude. I mean, he called like people a brood of vipers. Like I had to look that up. Called people whitewashed tombs. Do you know what that means? Clean on the inside, outside, dead on the inside. Jesus. Like, you won't see that on a shirt, like, next to Jesus is my homeboy. But that is, read it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus was full of truth. And yet John says he was also full of grace. He says, grace upon grace. That, that same God who was full of truth, who didn't budge on truth ever, was also full of grace. He says he, he dwelt among us. Do you know what that means? Jesus didn't just come and reign on a throne far away, distant from the peasants. Jesus didn't just come and fulfill his mission and die on the cross directly, rise again, and then go back up to heaven. No, Jesus came, and what does John say? He didn't just die, he dwelt. He set up tabernacles. He set up shop, he walked, he talked, he ate with people. One of my favorite stories is even after the resurrection of Jesus, after he gives like the biggest, I told you so in all of history and does what he said he was gonna do. He dies, but he rises again. He defeats sin, Satan, death, and the grave, amen? And what's the first thing Jesus does? He doesn't throw a pep rally. He doesn't have a parade. No, he has breakfast with his disciples, he walks with people. He eats with people. He dwells with people. He's full of truth and he's full of grace. And he dwells, as I say, he dwells with people. You need to know, like, it's not just all the righteous people. It's not the people who are getting everything right, who had great language and, and great actions. And they were always like, Jesus was just like, attaboy. That's, that's not the people he dwelt amongst. I just wrote down a few examples from the Christmas story, from the gospels. These are the people full of grace, full of truth, that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, dwells with, walks, talks, and eats with. He did it with the simple. Right? Mary, this, this teenage girl from nowhere, obscurity. That's how Jesus actually comes into the world. He did it with the young and the old. You see him with Simeon, this older man, but you also see him with little kids as they gather around him. He dwelt amongst the lowly. The first people to give the announcement of Jesus's birth were stinky shepherds, the lowly. People considered them thieves. 
And Jesus says, yeah, full of grace, I'm gonna let them be the first ones to declare my birth. He dwelt among us, the ordinary. He picks fishermen to be on the team that would change the world. Like they made varsity fishermen. He dwells among the outcast, lepers. One of, one of my favorite parts of the way Jesus heals people is sometimes he just does it with his very word because he's Jesus, he's God in the flesh. But sometimes he puts his hand on people and people like lepers, people that nobody put their hands on, people that had never been touched. And Jesus says, I'm gonna reach out and touch you because he's full of truth. He's full of grace. He dwells amongst us. He dwells amongst the sinners, the tax collectors. He doesn't just evangelize them in the streets out there where it's safe. He reclines at table with them in their homes. He dwells among the scandalous. He engages the prostitute. Even when other people call him out and say nasty things about him, he does it anyway. He dwells among the self-righteous, the the Pharisees, the scribes. You you know, the, the reason why we know so much about the Pharisees and scribes in the Gospels is because Jesus was always always dwelling amongst them. And they were annoying. (laughs) And Jesus still walked with them. He still talked with them. He dwelled amongst even the self-righteous. There's hope for some of y'all today, right? He's full of truth. He's full of grace. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. His glory is demonstrated in the fullness of his grace and the fullness of his truth, and not half of each, but perfectly full of both. Now, this is, this is good news, amen? Because you and I, in our culture today, we need both. We need the fullness of truth, and we need the fullness of grace. I, I wrote down just a couple of things, like if we just had the fullness of truth, if that's all that we had, we would be immovable but we'd also be unrelatable. We, we would have like the answer, I'm the way, the truth, and the life for our whole culture. And yet nobody would wanna listen to us because we'd be jerks for Jesus. And we'd be cynical. And we'd be like, hey, some, this kid came to Christ and be like, I don't know, let's wait and see. Do they understand the doctrine of justification yet? Can they write a paper about it? That's the way we'd be if we just were full of truth. But also, if you flip the coin on the other side, if we were just full of grace, we'd be kind, we'd be relatable, we'd be forgiving, and yet we'd have no power. We'd have no substance. And anytime that we thought maybe we should offer some of that in a conversation at your workplace or in a conversation with your family, as you start to talk about God and culture and maybe some of the the trendy parts of our culture and the way it's evolving sexually and financially and all these hot button issues. And, And when you get in those moments, you would be kind and you would be loving, but you would disguise what they really need to hear about God's design. And you would kind of cover it up and you would massage it a little bit and just make sure you don't offend anybody or just exit out of the conversation altogether. And those people that are lost and dying and going to hell without Jesus would still be in that condition without truth. And so the glory of Christmas, the glory of God, how does it come? Full of grace and full of truth in both.
Right. We need both. My, my wife and I, we just went on a trip uh, a week ago, and we flew on a, a Southwest plane. And I, I think we have a little photo of that. So you can see it's legit. We actually did fly on a plane. And you actually, you can't see the plane at all. It's a horrible picture. I need a new phone. But uh, what you can see is that baby sloth. And my wife and I were traveling without my kids. And my eight-year-old, she has a grown-up sloth. And so I carried baby sloth with me so they could, like, communicate through pictures, okay? Dads, take that one with you, okay? Take that one with you. Go, go take a trip with your wife and do that, okay? Uh, but you can see kind of in the background of my grainy, uh, horrible camera phone, <laughs> that uh, there's a plane back there. It's a Southwest plane, and uh, it has two wings on it. Now, imagine we, we looked outside, and we're getting on that plane, and it just had one wing. Was, I, I know Southwest has had some problems lately, but that would be a big problem, amen? Right, we kind of need both wings, right? If we just had one, we're like, we got one, and it's awesome. That wouldn't cut. Like, I wouldn't get on the plane. I don't know about you. It's the same way for us. We desperately need not just grace, but also truth. Not just truth, but also grace. And the glory of God, this is mind-blowing. In all the ways God manifests his glory, his glory is manifested most through Jesus Christ and it's full of grace and it's full of truth and it's exactly what you and I need and will die without. It's exactly what our culture needs. Now, I don't know if you're paying attention that as we are all chasing glory, we're not getting it. And we're not full of anything. Well, <laughs> maybe um, it's a conversation for another day, but uh, we're not getting wholeness and fullness that we're searching for through Instagram and Facebook and comparison and the bigger house and the better job. Are, are you, you seeing that on the news? No, what I'm seeing is not a full people, but a broken people, but an empty people. Listen, church, we have the fullness that they need. We have the fullness that we need. That right now, in the midst of your marital conflict, that you can't quite figure out, and you feel like something's not full here, it's, it feels empty. We used to, yeah, we used to go on trips, Tim. That was fun. But now it's just kind of empty, just kind of broken, just going through the motions. In your, in your friendships, we, we used to get together, and there was life, and there was love. But now we just talk about politics. And it's just something feels broken and, and empty in that. Even as I think about you, you, Tim, you say, like, invite your family and friends and your neighbors to, to Christmas Eve. And, and you're like, man, Tim, people are just, they're buying a lot of stuff right now. I think they're kind of busy on Christmas Eve. They're doing some other traditions and it's not really on their radar. And like, you're just like, man, something in our world, you, you feel this? Is this just me? It feels broken and empty. And the very thing that people are desperate for, fullness, we have in Jesus Christ. That, that, that's the opportunity on Christmas Eve. That's why we're saying invite people. Because this is the thing that we desperately need. That's why we say it as a church all sorts of ways. One of the ways we say it is, hey, as a church, we want to engage culture, uphold truth, and love people well. Because we don't know that anybody else is doing that other than Jesus. And that gets really messy really fast. When we put it on like our website at the beginning, it looks really cute. In real life, it's beautiful, but it's messy. But man, we, the reason why, like I pray for this, like 
as much as I pray for the salvation of my kids and your salvation, I pray for this. And I have since we started Phoenix Bible Church, that we would be a church that's full of grace, but also full of truth. Because I think that's the one thing that our culture can't categorize, that in a polarizing political season next year, that people can't categorize. And it drives some people crazy. But some people, it drives them crazy enough to come to Christ. Is it what? What's happening at Phoenix Bible Church? Why would, why would two churches become one? That's complicated. Older and younger? Come on. Like, do they, do they know, like, the music is sometimes loud? And I mean, are they aware of these things? And I, and I always say, like, yes, they are aware. We, we are aware of our differences. And yet we've seen 55 baptisms. Why? We've seen people's marriages healed. Why? Full of grace and full of truth. And all of us are here. This is what I want you to give to. This is really special. It's really unique. It's really Jesus. It's really glorious. And it's something that will make our culture pause and reconsider Jesus and reconsider what fullness actually is and what true glory actually is. And you and I have it. I mean, as your pastor, I want you to, if you haven't, if you're like, well, Tim, this is not, I just trusted in Jesus as a kid and I just gave my life to him and whatever that means. And I, I, follow, I come to church and I, if, if that's, <laughs> you're, you're missing out on the fullness of grace and truth and the glory of grace and truth in Jesus Christ. I want you to experience it, but I don't want to stop there. I want you to extend it to a culture who's desperate for it, who's broken and empty and needs the fullness of Christ. And it's here, Amen. It's here in Christ, and we have it. Invite people to Christmas Eve. Do more than that, but just do that. Start there. Give to this mission to see it furthered in the fifth largest city. In the heart of our city, God is moving to draw people into his fullness, and we get to be a part of it. I can't believe it. I'm still geeked up about it. I hope you see that. I, I, do, I deal with the budget. I see a lot of brokenness, and I can't get over still even with the spreadsheets, I can't get over still this truth. And I'm in for it. And I'm inviting you in for it as well. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the glory of your grace and truth that's manifest in Jesus Christ. God, I pray over these men and women who are in this room, who are watching online, God, that we would first just evaluate and consider, have we really received the glory of your grace and truth, the fullness of it all? God, what areas of our life, might you convict us now, Holy Spirit, what areas of our life are just to be honest, broken and empty? And your fullness is the only thing able to heal and bring that fullness and bring that wholeness. God, I pray right now in this room, by, by the power of your spirit, there would be some people that would submit the brokenness of their marriages to you right now. There'd be some people that would submit the brokenness of their, their loneliness, their depression, maybe their diagnosis to you right now. And that you would supernaturally help them to experience your fullness in the midst of their brokenness. And God, that we would be a people, as we say it all the time, that are imperfect, but are moved by the perfect love of Jesus, the full love and grace and truth of Jesus, that as we experience your fullness, we would also extend it to other people. And God, as we take communion now, God, what a vivid example and demonstration. There's not a better one 
of the fullness of your grace and the fullness of your truth. That God, you came and you put on flesh and you were perfect in every, every way, full of truth, but you also were full of grace and you died a death that we deserved in our place for our sin to reconcile us with God Almighty. God, as we take the elements, may that strike us afresh today. May we think about people who need that to strike them afresh today and on Christmas Eve. God, help us. We desperately need it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody say, amen. Amen.